from the studio in Southern California with your host, Victor Rancourt. I only knew one way, and I knew the right way. It's the Hero Podcast. Today, Victor welcomes HVAC broker Patrick Lang on the show. Money is made when you buy a business, not when you sell it. So if you're looking from an acquisition standpoint, if you overpay... Without further delay, here's your host, Victor Rancourt. Hey guys, welcome to the Service Hero Podcast. I'm your host, Victor Rancourt, and this is episode number two. I'm super excited to have our guest, Patrick Lane John. He's one of the top HVAC business brokers in the country, and he's going to tell you today what it's going to take to sell or buy a business in the HVAC industry. Uh, without further ado, Patrick, how are you doing today? Good, fantastic, Victor. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, man, we're, uh, I, you know, a lot of us uh, HVAC owners, we always ask ourselves, like, what are they looking for? You know, if I ever want to get out of this business, what's it going to take for me to do it? And uh, I, I think you're the best man to, to ask those questions to. So, uh, Patrick, kind of give me a little bit of backstory. Uh, what, how'd you get into this or what, what were you doing before you were uh, a business broker? Absolutely. I, <clears throat> I appreciate the opportunity. And I, uh, I, I've owned multiple businesses in the past. Early in my life, I owned a financial planning company and I sold that and then got in the service side of the business. And I became a business broker about 10 years ago and I was selling everything, uh, bars, restaurants, gas stations, you name it, I've sold it. Um, and then five years ago, roughly, I moved to North Florida and I bought a heating and air company myself. I listed it for sale. I love businesses with barriers to entry where you need a license or something else to get in. Um, I've, I've joked that I've had money and not had money. Uh, and we've always had cold air in, in the summertime and warm air in the wintertime. And so there's my wife will do without a lot, but she's not going to do without air conditioning. And I think most of the country is that way. And so I thought it was an incredible opportunity, um, bought the business, ran it for about two years, realized that, uh, I don't need employees <laughs> at this point in my life. Um, it, it was better for their health than my health for me not to be in the industry. And so my oldest son worked with me as I bought it and started kind of running it and he fell in love with it. So I told him I was going to flip it and sell it. And he said, don't sell it. I want, I want it. And I said, you're the proud owner. So about three years ago, he started buying me out, just finished that acquisition about 30 days ago. So he owns it completely now for the last nice. three years. He, yeah. It's, it's been good for him and good for me. Uh, my office, I'm, I'm still in the heating and air office. So he gets my advice daily, whether he likes it or not. And I'm sure he wishes I wasn't here, but, uh, so I'm still involved kind of in the business, but he runs the day-to-day -day operations and has for three years. And when I went to sell it, I started looking at pricing it, how it was going to hit the market. And I looked out and realized that there was nobody who really knew what they were doing in that space. There's a lot of great business brokers across the country, but nobody who really understood the heating and air space, they could tell the difference between a contactor and a capacitor. And they didn't, didn't know what a maintenance agreement was and, and didn't know why they're, why they're in place and what they do for a business. And so about three years ago, I decided to switch my practice just to selling heating and air companies. Started out in Florida. As I mentioned, I'm in North Florida. And then I kind of expanded to the Southeast, Florida, Georgia, Alabama, North Carolina, South Carolina. And then I was fortunate. I have an opportunity to write for ACHR magazine. Um, I, I write for HVAC Insider, HVAC, HVAC our business. And so, so I can't tell them where to distribute their magazines. And as a result of that, I started getting calls from Ohio and California and Texas and other places. And so now uh, I'm, I have them listed across the country. Actually, I fly out tonight. I've got a listing in Toledo, Ohio. We're meeting at tomorrow. 
And so I'll leave tonight and be up there tomorrow and in the Panhandle on Friday. And so I, I'm fortunate or unfortunate, depending on how you look at it, to travel a lot. But I get to see a lot of companies, what works, what doesn't work. And, um, and in the last three years, I've been fortunate that I have sold more heating and air companies than anybody. And I, I say that kind of joking because there's nobody else I know that just sells heating and air companies. There's a lot of, once yeah. again, a lot of great brokers that sell a lot of different things. But I don't know that there's anybody that I've met at this point that just does what I do. And so it gives me an opportunity to see the good, the bad, the ugly. Um, I get to see a lot of ugly, unfortunately, and I get to be the bearer of bad news a lot, which is not something that I like to tell somebody, hey, you've been here 30 years and it's not worth anything. Um, but I have to have that conversation and it doesn't do me or them any good for me to blow smoke and say you've built something that's sellable when it's not really sellable. Yeah. And, and I, I feel like that's, that's a very common thing in, in this industry. A lot of people, you know, I talk to guys and, and they think their business is worth, oh, I, it's worth a million dollars. And I'm like, it's not even worth the, the paper that those, those leads are printed on. Honestly, at the end of the day, you know, I, I had this conversation with one of my, one of my technicians, his uncle, he's been in the industry for 35 years. Right. And he's up in Santa Barbara. And he comes to me last month. He says, my uncle's dying. He's got cancer. This is what's going on. And, you know, he wants, he wants to get rid of his business. Are you interested in buying it? And I said, well, you know, I, obviously I'll look into it. That's, you know, that's part of what I'm, I'm looking to do anyways. So I started talking to him and I said, okay, do you have any, do you have any maintenance agreements? And we'll know. Uh, well, what software were you using to track all your leads? Well, we were doing paper. I said, okay, are you using QuickBooks? Well, no, my, my wife was using something else, you know, to, to track the, track the customers and track our invoices. And I said, realistically, what are you expecting to get out of this? You know what I mean? And, and, and he, you know, in his head and, and I won't throw the number out there, but it was kind of embarrassing. I was like, I, I'm, I'm really sorry, man. I was like, that's not happening. I was like, we can either, we can go one way or the other. I don't mind helping you out a little bit. Uh, your book of business is worth something to me because I know what to do with it. Right. Um, but I, I, I just don't see where th there's any, there's any real value in this because you haven't built a brand. You haven't done anything on the back end. You don't really have any employees. You don't have very many assets. So there's not much there. So how do you go about like telling somebody that like it was, it was more, it was one of those awkward situations. I said, I, I'll buy your book business and I'll see what I can do with it. But there's no, there's no promises on that. And I can even do anything with it at this point. You know, I can literally, I can spend my own money, that same amount of money on marketing in that territory. And I'm probably going to get the same amount of customers out of it as, as what you're expecting me to pay for this. Or more, you know, I mean, that's the reality of it. I think that's, I think that's my biggest competition on the buyer side is, is, you know, business has to be priced right where it makes sense to you, the buyer. You know, I mean, it, it, you've got to be able to make money. And, and I firmly believe that money is made when you buy a business, not when you sell it. So if you're looking from an acquisition standpoint, if you overpay for, for something just for the sake of buying it, you're, you're chasing your tail the entire time you own it. I, the joke, and it's a sad joke, but I say is I get to tell people every day their baby's ugly. You know, you've spent your entire life building this business and it's your baby and I get to come in and be the jerk and say it's not worth anything. But that happens. I, I probably turn down four listings to every listing I take um, simply because they didn't focus on the right thing um, there. And we can talk about it. And if anybody follows me on LinkedIn or Facebook or my website or my blog post, they'll, they'll hear me preach it over and over and over. I did it yesterday on, on, on Facebook. You know, people treat their business like it's their personal bank account. And oh, yeah. so they take all this money out and then they come to me 
I look at the books and says, well, your, your tax return said you made 30,000. Well, I really made 200,000. Well, but it doesn't show that. I know, but I did. Well, how is somebody going to pay for that? You know, I mean, it just doesn't make sense. As if you put yourself in a buyer's shoes, you're only going to pay for what you can prove. And a bank's only going to lend money on what they can prove. And so clean books is, is really the first place to start. So I'm glad hearing you say you're talking about QuickBooks. You know, when a company's got QuickBooks and they can hand me a report, I can say instantly, here's what your business is worth within, you know, depending on a few other uh, key factors, but we can see the numbers and what you're buying is that numbers. And if there's no numbers there to buy, you can't pay anything for them. Well, what do you, what do you say about a business, you know, you know, like mine or like these other guys that come up fast, right? So, you know, we built these great businesses and at the end of the day, obviously the bottom line isn't going to look as pretty as it could be, right? Because I'm buying, buying, acquiring, uh, you know, buying more trucks, building more business, adding more employees, doing all this stuff that costs money on the front end. So one of those things, you know, I, and I have a, another, there's another big business near me that they've done the same thing. They had this astronomical growth, but I don't know what they would be worth. Right. So what, what would you say to someone like that or like me that's in hyper growth mode and say today, someone wanted to come by me, right? Like, I'm not going to like, I, yeah, I could probably stop spending right this year for the rest of the year and I'll make a bunch of, bunch of cash. Right. But what if I'm reinvesting? Like, is that something worth that, that someone would look into? Absolutely. There's certain one-time expenses we add back. So buying vehicles, buying equipment, making those purchases, those are not things that if somebody took over the business, they'd have to do on an annual basis. Sure, if they anticipated keeping up with that growth, but you know as well as I do, at some point you hit a ceiling, you know, within an area, and I've heard many people say it, that that you only could market your way so far, and then you have yeah. to acquire more market share. I mean, there's just no way for you to grow with the staff that you've got in place to keep them working, keep them doing those things. And so then acquisition becomes a necessity. And so those, those one-time expenses, it's more difficult, obviously, than a business that's been in business for 30 years, spends the same amount of money every year, 10% on marketing, has four-year-old trucks, those types of stuff. Those are much easier to price and sell. But because of your growth, there's things that we'd look at and be able to add back to it. So absolutely a buyer would see value in that scenario because it's not, you're not buying the boat. You're not paying for your girlfriend's condo someplace that we're having to go like, where's Waldo to find money with inside of here? And what is it really making? It's easy expenses that we're able to track that generate to the bottom line and continue that habit. Yeah. And, and I think that's one of the, one of the biggest mistakes. I talked to a lot of my friends and they, they all have, you know, fancy boats, fancy things. You could tell they're all write-offs, right? And like, and I'm the opposite. I don't, I don't really do all that. I don't got no fancy stuff. I got, my wife's got a nice car. I got my five-year-old truck. Like that's how I operate, man. And, and for me, like I've spent all my money back into the business and, and I think, you know, everyone keeps telling me I'm fucking crazy. Right. Sometimes they're like, well, why don't you just go have fun? And I said, well, my fun is going to be when I'm retired at 40 and you guys are still trying to, you know, chase calls all day long. And then that's where my mindset is. And so how do you go about, you know, you come in a come uh, a business owner says, Hey, I want to sell this business. Is it a, long-term process so like hey you're not worth shit today how about me and you talk this is what i need you to do over the next 12 months if you can do this over the next 12 months then i can get you xyz as compared to i want to sell it right now you know for i want to answer two questions there one you're talking about your friends spending the money and the write-off things my thing is you can't get paid to steal twice you can't cheat the government and expect me to write you a check for it and that's the reality so you've got to pick am i going to not pay taxes today and I'm not going to get paid for that down the road, or am I going to pay those taxes today, knowing that it's provable, knowing that 
that when I sell, I'm going to give a two, three, or four time multiple on that. So the mathematics works, pay your taxes, and then you'll sell it at the end. That's the first part of that conversation. Second part is, it really depends. Is it a long-term process? I've had some companies that we've listed them and we're under contract in a week because they've done the things right. The beautiful calls I get, and, and Facebook and different groups, I get a lot of uh, direct messages and, and text messages. There's people saying, listen, I'm going to sell in three years. What do I need to do today? I love those emails because that's somebody to meet at three years from now when I go to sell it. We're going to hit the market, going to get a high, a high dollar figure for it, and we're going to be done. So they're planning ahead. The reality is most people don't do that. And by the time they get to me, they call me and they say, I'm done. And I look at it and say, oh, you have any maintenance agreements? Well, yeah, none in writing, but they just call us every year and we go back and do it. Well, that's not a maintenance agreement. That just happens to be somebody who calls. Do you, what, what systems do you have in place? None. Are you using Service Titan? Are you using some other program similar to that? No. Are you using QuickBooks? No. So when I say to them, hey, you need to do this for the next two years, they look at me like I've got two heads. I mean, they're not going to do that. They're done. So the reality is they've got to take a less price today. And it's sad because people have spent their whole life, they didn't know better. Well, the reality is they're, they're done because they don't know what the fuck's going on in the first place. They don't know right. where their money's at anyway. So the reason they're done, no one's done because they're really tired. They're really tired of not knowing what the fuck is going on, man. Well, and, not having a reason. You know, that's, they, they don't have a goal. Like you, you're talking about being retired at a certain age and having that good time. So many of them don't have it. They were a technician who didn't like their boss. They went on their own. They, 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 it was them and two other guys for 25 years and they just got up and went to work every day. They didn't have a plan. There was no, you know, I watch you and it's market domination. You know, it's going to the next level. It's getting bigger. And, and I'm not saying that everybody needs to have that mindset. That's not for everybody. I love selling a 30 year old business that the guy's making $3 million a year, nice little mom and pop business. Those sell, people love to buy them. It's great for the buyer. It's great for the seller. That's kind of my sweet spot. I mean, that's, that's what I really enjoy. This guy has done a good job for his family. He's made more money than anybody else in his family. He's given people jobs for 20 years. I love that. But, but those other people who are just floundering, I had so many people that they had 10 employees. They, over the years, got sick of employees. They're doing it themselves. They come to me now, and for the last five years, it's been them by themselves. They're doing 500000 a year, and they tell me, well, it could do $5 million, and so now I want $5 million for the business. Well, that's not real. You know, what it used yeah. to do 10 years ago, I can't sell it for. No, 100%, um, 100% man. And a lot of it, a lot of it comes down to is that they don't have the proper mentors, the proper, like they're just trying to, you know, we have egos as business owners. Right. I had one of the biggest egos I could think of last year. I honestly heading into 2020, my head was barely fit through my fucking front door. And, and I talked about this on the last podcast and I was humble, man. And, and the problem was, is that I, I was so caught up in, oh, we're selling all this and we're doing, we're growing, we're growing, but I didn't know the numbers either. So like I had to take a step back this year and I had to learn what it takes to actually run a, a world-class organization, right? I know how to sell. I know how to bring people in. I know how to market. Do you have freeze on you again? I think you froze on me. So there's a lot of different things that we, that we as a, as business owners don't really see until it's too late. And I think that once once you get someone like you in and it kind of has that sets a goal for them or gets them an idea what they need to do that sometimes they might be able to turn it around, even though they, they don't know what they're headed for. Uh, recording's back on. Do you know where we dropped off at? Yeah. You were telling the story about last year, how you were up over oh. 2 million. 
Yeah, man. So obviously you're one for me. I, I started, I started out in a truck, you know, it was me. I actually had three employees day one. Uh, I started with three guys day one. I, so if you know me, I, I'm, I'm a very good salesman. That's what I've always done. And I said, Hey, you know, I had these guys that have always followed me and they said, I said, Hey, I'm starting this business. Uh, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to grow one of the top heating and air conditioning, con become one of the top air conditioning contractors in the country. And I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. And I said, you're going to have work day one every day. And it happened, right? And it took off really fast. I started August of 2018. I had a, I had a box truck, a shitty transit and my Ford F-150. And this is what I started with and didn't have too much cash because if you know anything about salesmen, we blow it as fast as we get it. So you know, so I had to, you know, so I was, I was spending money as fast as I was getting it. So when I started the business, obviously, if I was to go back, you know, three years, I would say, hey, dude, save some cash, get ready, because it's going to be wild. Because I went from making a lot of cash, I made a lot of money as a salesman to, oh, shit, now I got to go find me money every day. And it turned on a different switch inside me, right? So, you know, rolling into, into, we were about three months in, we'd already done about a million dollars of business in three months. I already had 10 employees. Uh, well, it was August by by january i'd done about a million million in sales i already had 10 employees heading into into last year uh 2019 obviously took off really fast everybody you know because social media would spread stuff quickly so people would see all the stuff i'm doing they're like how's he getting this trucks how's he what is the hell is going on over there and then i was able to start recruiting some of the top guys in the country uh, as far as sales guys and one of the first things i did everyone thought i was crazy was i was on the radio after like six months of business I was on the radio and there was no return on it really, but I just kept throwing money at it, right? As a, as a long-term investment on the radio because I know it takes time and I was practicing. I write my own radio ads, so I'm not like a professional radio ad writer. So I was trying to figure out what was going to work and what was going to stick. And then, you know, I knew that right away I had to, I had to separate myself from the other guys. So I was offering my guys, you know, benefits and paid vacation and all this shit that costs money, right? But that's how I was able to recruit the guys that I needed to come into my business. So I did that very early on and I kind of set that stuff up. So by summer of last year, I had three guys, me, myself, and another guy that were all airtime 500 number one salesmen in the country in my business last year. So like everyone's like, how the hell did you pull this off? Right. Uh, and, you know, fast forward to now, one of them, you know, we're still, I'm still good friends with all of them. One of them started his own business and he's growing very fast. And another one is over with uh, one of my competitors, but he's a good friend of mine. But as of last year, we did almost five, we did 4.95 million last year in year, our first, our first calendar year in business. So in my, in my mind, I thought my shit didn't stink yet. You know what I mean? And my, my head was getting big, but I also wasn't watching the numbers and I didn't have a lot of the, we had, we were great salesmen, but we weren't great business runners. Like my, my general manager, he's a salesman. He was not a, he wasn't a general manager. Like I, I love the guy. He's, he's still, we still talk to this day. But that's not that wasn't the position for him. He, he neither of us were looking at numbers. We were both just chasing chasing dollars. Like, yeah, if we're getting sales, we're good, right? The money's coming right. in, we're good, we're good. And you know, fast forward to you know February, March of this year, and then coronavirus stuff hit, and we were I was spending so much money on marketing, and, and then obviously all that stuff hit, and I'm like, oh shit, I spent like a hundred thousand some dollars on marketing in March, and they got no return on it. So at that point, I'm like, I'm just floundering, trying to figure out what's going on. And, and I kind of, I got to the point where I was like, dude, I, I don't know if we're going to make it through this. I didn't know if the weather was going to change or what was going to happen. And I, I, at that point I, had, I did some layoffs and I'm like, dude, I don't, I, I was floundering, man. And, and I started talking to my mentors and they said, Hey, look, the first thing you can do, the only thing you could do is figure out where the fuck you stand on your numbers, figure that out. And then everything else we can fix on the back end, Right. Like, I'm like, we still have money coming in. We're still selling. He's like, all right, figure that out. Hire some smart people, you dumbass, because obviously you don't know the numbers well enough. So find, you have to find people that fill holes in your business, right? 
So like for me, I know I'm a dreamer. I'm like, I'm a hundred miles an hour all the time. I need the little detail people right here, right? You got to have the detail people that take care of the other bullshit. So that's what I did over the next month. I just started hiring smart people. You know, now I got a couple of people with master's degrees in my business and, and stuff like that. Business analytics, KPI people. And ever since then, now I don't have to worry about where I'm at. I know where I'm at all the time. I got every piece of data you can even think of on running a business. We switched to Service Titan. Service Titan was, you know, a big move. We were, we were with House Call and it was kind of all over the place. Uh, switching to Service Titan, now I have reports on the reports on reports on everything. So up to right. date, I'm always, I'm able to keep up with that stuff. But a lot of guys, like I said, they, they don't pivot, right? They, they only, they, they would have stayed the course of what I was already doing. I would have been couple years down the road, millions of dollars in sales, but probably nothing to show for it because I didn't track it right. You know, I had switched CRMs five times since I started this business. Wow. So when you switch CRMs that many times, you're, you're, you're losing business. You know, I was losing club memberships. I lost over 200 members, paid members, monthly memberships. When I switched back from house call to service Titan, because I didn't track it. I have to track. Now I have to track my memberships on paper because I was only tracking them through house call. Well, now they're not going to transfer your credit card data. They don't tell you that afterwards. So now I'm trying to call these people and get their credit card data. And by that point, they're like, well, you lost my credit card data. So <laughs> you know what I mean? It's hard to get them back. Right. So that's one of the things I recommend for anybody is, is starting out, you know, learning that stuff first, right? Instead of, you know, you have sales well, are important. Well, I think, I think the key there is there's so many, you keep, you've used the term many times, there's so many mentors in this industry, whether it's stuff you're doing on podcasts like this, there's a lot of great podcasts out there that talk about the business. There's a lot of great organizations. You talked about Airtime 500, obviously with SCI, there's BDR. There, I mean, there, there's all these Nextar. There, there's a lot of places you can go to get the information. And I think the conversation started with egos. You know I mean? I think that's the reality of it is so many people are unwilling to, to realize or accept the fact that they don't know everything. When if they would stop and go to one of these meetings, go to one of these organizations, talk to somebody like you, you know, most people aren't going to say, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. You know, I mean, that's not, that's not something that most people are willing to admit, but almost every business owner has been there. I don't care if it's heating and air, brokerage, financial planning, I don't know, swimming pool company. There was times when I had no clue what I was doing and it's finding the right people that can, that can shorten that learning curve, in my opinion. And that, that's the one beauty I really love about this industry uh, from the heating and air space is, is if, you, if you like maintenance agreements, there's an organization that'll teach you how to sell more maintenance agreements and what to do and how they deliver value to the customer and how they help your business. If you need help on the numbers, there's a place you can go and learn the numbers side of it. And, or like you've done, hire the number side of it. Or obviously service Titan, there's more information there. Most of the people, that I talk to don't even use three quarters of, or half or three quarters of what's available inside the program. Incredible program, but they don't take the time to learn everything that's inside of there. So, so there's so many different opportunities and many people that I meet with, they'll get to, you know, there's all these different hurdles. They'll get to a million dollars and get stuck there. A million dollars in sales. And that's, they never beat that threshold. I have a lot of people that I've listed their company, been in business 20 or 30 years and could never get above a million. And then it seems around 3 million seems to be the next bump. And then 5 million seems to be the next bump. And so finding, you have to become a different person to get above those levels and, and bring people in. And that's one of the biggest things that I preach. Once again, for anybody who reads anything that I put out there, you, you got to get yourself out of the truck. I mean, if you're looking at selling a business, if you're a chuck in the truck or whatever the terminology anybody wants to use, you don't have a business, you've got a very high paying job. Because if you don't go to work, 
the business shuts down. And so many, many people come to me and I'll say, how many employees do you have? Well, it's just me. That's the hardest business for me to sell. I can tell you, you got three or four employees that are doing decent business and up, I can sell it. It's you. It's a challenge because the reality is your, your net income is going to be substantially higher than anybody else's because you have no overhead. So you have this expectation that your business is here. Well, you know, if you were to buy that truck in the truck, now you got to buy a new truck. You got to put a guy in it. You got to train a guy. You got to put insurance on him. You got to do all this. And so now that 150000 that he was making becomes 50000 to you. Well, what are you going to pay for it? You, you know, I mean, you can't pay up here for it. So that's what makes it so challenging. So I tell people, and, and I preach it, preach it, preach it, get out of the truck. I don't care if you just hire one guy. Get out of the truck because that's going to change the whole scope of your business from a saleability factor. It makes my job so much easier and makes your business much valuable. Yeah, and I, I said since day one, you know, obviously hiring three people to start out with, right? I knew what my goals were. My goals were not to be running around, running calls, doing all this stuff. And in the beginning, obviously, I had I had a service tech, I had an, and a couple installers, right? So I was out and I was doing the sales, and, and pretty much right away, I was able to start hiring sales guys because I I knew that that wasn't my goal. Like I I've as a business owner, you have to be looking, you have to be the big picture guy, right? And for me, that was always where I was at from day one. I was like, I don't, I don't want to run calls. I'm better than everyone. I don't have a sales guy that's better than me. I don't. I don't even fucking know one. I'm very, very good when it comes to being inside a home. That's what I'm good at. But I had to step back, right? And a lot of the hard thing is that these guys, they have a hard time stepping back and trusting someone. Well, I would have made more money. Well, bro, right. you're going to not ever make more money unless you take a step back and you allow people to fail, allow them to learn and train them. And every day I think to myself, I'm like, if I went out in the field, I would sell over a half a million myself every month with the calls these guys are running. I would do it. And I've done it before with another business. And I, my calls are better because my, my reviews, my business, like people want to do business with me. The one I was at, I was chasing people down in Lowe's that were looking for a fucking light bulb and I'm trying to sell them an air conditioner. You know, and I was able to sell a lot doing that. And I'm like, you guys have no idea. You got inbound calls every day. You know how much people would beg, you know, sales guys would love to have inbound calls. There's guys down the street from me that their employees have to go bring in their own leads. So stuff like that. I knew day one that I wanted to be out of the truck. I wanted to be doing what I'm doing now. Like this is, this is more, I, I love, I enjoy teaching. I enjoy coaching. I enjoyed, you know, helping other businesses all over the country now and, and everything. This like the social media has allowed me to do it, you know, running my group. I have a, a pretty big network of guys that we talk almost every day and, and all of us are all in our thirties and we all have big ambitions and we all want to be knocking down the big guys, right? The big right. guys have been around for 20 years and they, they got, they have all the money, they have the business and we're over here scrolling. We're trying to take that shit. Like that's what we're coming for. And I tell a lot of my friends, I said, we're our age, the 30 to 35 year olds, you know, whatever that age is the most dangerous, uh, the most dangerous group in the entire, in the entire industry, because we were born before the internet and during the internet. So we got both sides of it. We were talking about it yesterday because now we, we know what it takes, the hard work it takes on the back end, because back then everyone wanted to work hard to get what they wanted. Now they want to work as little as possible to get what they want. Right. Sure. So we were, we were taught how to, how to grind it out, but also we know how to be smart with it. Like with my podcast, with, with service hero, right. Service hero. I'm able to get customers leads that were never able to get leads before. You know, when, when March, when March hit and coronavirus hit, we had companies coming to us, right. We can't get the fucking phones to ring. 
And that's when I started this business, me and Garrett started this business. And guess what? We got the phones to ring and everybody's like, holy shit. And so we took off like crazy because we had to think outside the box. The old way wasn't working. No one was going to Google looking for heating and air conditioning when it was cloudy outside, right? Cloudy outside, you got coronavirus. You don't want nobody in your home. Right. We had to be in front of where the fuck they are. They're on the social media. We got to be in front of and offer these crazy deals. Oh, dude, coronavirus is going. We got these crazy air conditioner deals. And, and we were able to, you know, drive business that way. And I think that's one of the things that made my business different than, than these other guys that can't grow as fast is because I've leveraged social media so much that it makes my business, it made my business grow quickly because guess what? When people see me every day, the passion I have towards my business, people that follow me, they tell their friends and their friends that they had a broken air conditioner. Hey, this guy's got this crazy business that's growing. Like you want to go do business with this guy, right? Sure. And that's where my business comes from. I'm like social media. Now I have radio and Google and, and all these other things that I spend my money in. 7% a month. That's all I spend. I, before I was like 10 to 15%, I'm like, nah, nah, I don't need to do that no more. So I'm at like my, my max now every month is 7% is what I spend. I don't need to spend any more. But I had to learn that right before it was like, just keep throwing money in. Just, if you throw more money out there, more, more money is going to come back in. And, it, and most of the time, it's not like that. Like you, you, you got to spend smart money. And I've learned that. So what would you tell, you know, Patrick, if you, if you, if you had an opportunity to talk to, you know, some of these business owners, what would be the number one thing you would recommend them to do um, if they're thinking about selling their business? You know, it really, it's kind of a difficult question to answer. It depends on where they are in the process. If they're thinking, Hey, three to five years down the road, I want to sell my business. There's really kind of four key things that I would say. One, clean your books up. If you can't figure it out, have a bookkeeper come in and do it. I, for my heating and air company, I think I pay my bookkeeper like 50 bucks a week. I mean, it's not a lot of money to come in and pay the bills and give me a report at the end of the week of where we are dollars and cents wise. Second thing is focus on service. So many of these people are chasing the new construction and, oh, and, 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 and obviously the Corona kind of brought this to light again and it happens all the time. It ends up being a race to the bottom. I mean, there's not really much loyalty in the new construction market you're getting, you know, for $50 here, they'll switch to another company. And so the gross sales are typically well, but the net to the bottom line is horrible. So focus on service, maintenance agreements, buyers love maintenance agreements. It makes them feel warm and fuzzy. And so, and everything maintenance agreements does for you. The bigger companies that I sell that do over $3 million a year and focus on maintenance agreements, I have found that between 85 and 95% of their revenue comes from their maintenance agreement customers. So if they're doing $5 million, dollars a year, 4 million of it or more is coming from the people who have maintenance agreements. That's incredible numbers. And that's repeat revenue on a consistent basis. So focus on the maintenance agreements and then back to the beginning, get yourself out of the truck. And so many of these smaller guys that are doing a million dollars a year under, they don't trust the guy to go run the call. He can't do it. Like you said, he can't do sales like I can. And they're stuck on the, he can't fix an air conditioner the way I, I can because they're an expert on fixing an air conditioner. And so they get stuck that they've got to run every call. Well, just like you can't run every sales call, you can't run every service call. And, it, and if the goal is to build a business, really a business that will have value at the end, and my belief, only reason I own a business is to sell it. At the, the very end of the line, it's to sell it and to get paid for it. Then then you've got to separate yourself from that business. So if you do those four things, I can promise you, you will have a very, very sellable business that people will want to buy. And it doesn't matter where you're at. I have sold businesses in the smallest places in the world and people buy them. I've sold them in big cities. Doesn't matter. People always say, well, I'm in 
you know, in the, in the small town in the panhandle of Florida, it'll sell. Just do the numbers. I'll take care of everything else. It'll sell. And so those are my four things. And, and I preach it, preach it, preach it because it, it kills me. I and mean, I joke about saying your baby's ugly, but, but that to sit across the table from somebody who spent 30 years of their life building something. And I have to say, it's not worth anything. That's, that's a horrible conversation to have. Yeah. It, yeah. So I, I had an odd fair advantage, Patrick, is I, and the business I started at, they wanted the, they wanted the maintenance agreement before they wanted a sale. They didn't even give a shit about the sale. If you didn't sell a certain percentage of your club memberships, we don't give a shit about your sales. So then that's how, and that's how I've started my business. Right. So the, the memberships lead everything. You don't get a, you don't get a fucking bonus unless you sell over 40% of your calls, a new membership. If you go out to wow. new calls, you gotta sell 40% of them or you don't get a bonus from me. And the, the company I started with, when I left there, they had 17,000 club members. That was three oh years ago. Oh, my gosh. 17,000. That was three years ago. And they've, they've, grown, they've grown large, and now they've been acquired by a big, uh, big equity firm. And now they're going out and buying all these businesses. But imagine having 17,000 club members that are paying you monthly that you don't even have. You could shut your fucking phones off and just call the people that are paying you monthly, and you're going to have business for however many years. You probably won't call it every day for the entire year with all your employees without even – doing any marketing right right no no radio no billboards no i mean all the stuff you're having to do to generate revenue and, and that's the incredible side of it. it so many of the i'm gonna say old school is probably not the right term but so many of the older guys in the business they'll i'll meet with them and say you know how many maintenance agreements do you have oh i don't believe in them well what do you mean well i'm not going to charge somebody for something i haven't provided well I, I kind of understand that but you need to look at x y and z and so and, and that trickles down to the employees. And so then the employees don't believe in them. And so it's, it, I think you're doing, the reality is when done properly, I think a maintenance agreement is fantastic for the business and it's fantastic for the customer. Well, and I so mean, I think you need to win with. So one of the things I, you know, and I wanted to start a plumbing, plumbing division, right? Well, you know how easy it is to start a plumbing division if you already have maintenance agreements, right? So, you know, and the same thing, my partner out in Utah, he, he's, you know, he already had like 900 or some club memberships. He's 18 months old. Right. And so he has all, he's all these memberships. Well, guess what? He started plumbing a month ago. He got his plumbing license and now his plumber is completely booked up every day. Cause he's just calling his people that are monthly memberships and say, Hey, we, we uh, upgraded you to a free water heater flush once a year for, if you're a member, if you're a member, my, my customers are paying for it. So I, I already had built it before I started, I started charging for it. And then I built the plumbing and brought it in. So a lot of people don't understand is that you have, you can add all these subsidiary businesses inside, you know, electrical plumbing, all this stuff, because you already have maintenance agreements. You already, you don't have to go out and market them. Like right. I don't spend shit on plumbing. I already have customers that call me because now, now they're in my maintenance memberships, who they're going to call the guy that they're paying every month to come out and service their calls. Right. And who's familiar with the, their whole equipment and who knows their house and they know their employees and the list goes on and on. I have a company that started it and they paid their air conditioning techs a spiff for every picture of the tag on a water heater they took. Every house they went to, if they got brought back a picture, I think they got 10 or 12 bucks. All they had to do is take a picture on the follow-up call afterwards to see how they were doing. By the way, Mrs. Smith, we noticed you have a 14-year-old water heater. We'd love to take care of it for you. It, I mean, it was, it was a no-brainer, and the relationship's already there. And so it was the immediate revenue for them. So I, I, I just, the maintenance agreements is something, and big buyers, especially private equity groups and those, that's what they're looking for. They're looking for consistent relationships, not somebody you changed out of unit 10 years ago and haven't been back to see. No, and, and they also look for data, right? 
that's one of the things that a lot of guys skip out on. Like they have the calls, but do you have any data of what was going on at that call? Do you know the age of it? Right. Do you know when the, you know, do you know anything about it? Like my, like in service Titan is beautiful, right? Cause they, they gets pictures, you get all this stuff or, you know, and I set it up to where when they go to the call, they got to get the age and ask for the age and ask the condition of the ducting. Was it, was a ducting failed or passed when they got there? How was the water heater? Stuff like that is asked in there. So then I can go into service site and I type in, you know, 10 year old systems and I got a list of 10 year old systems. Right. And, and stuff like that is massive. And I don't, like I said, last year, like my data wasn't there. I wasn't, I didn't really pay attention to it. Right. And right. now I'm like, that's all I give a shit about. Like you go to a call, you don't get me my data. I'm gonna lose my mind because I know that if I don't, if I have that stuff in place, I want to build a business that's sellable. And that's, that's goal number one. If you don't build it, there's no point to go to work every day unless you have an exit strategy. And I went to this business owners training out in Texas last year. It's called burn the ships. Right. And their entire training was about how to scale your business quickly and be able to set it up to buy because you want to make sure your business at any point, right? Tomorrow I get diagnosed with cancer. I want my business to be able to sell tomorrow. Right. Not you don't want to wait till shit's too late or something hits the fan. And then all of a sudden right. now you got to sell it. Now it's worth fucking nothing because you have nothing in place to do it. You need to have yourself. And, and this is what I'm going to tell a lot of the guys. Everyone's going to say, oh, you don't know shit. You're still new. I know a lot more than you guys people think. OK, I have really I've, I've done this. I've done very well for myself because I plan myself. I plan everything <laughs> I do out uh, accordingly. But if you have yourself all the time, like know where your books are, I can go take my stuff right now. I can go send it over to a private equity firm. I can go send it over to a buyer right now and they're going to want to purchase it, right? And that, if you can do that, then you have, you have power, you have freedom, right? You have freedom as a business owner. You know that you can get the fuck out if you want. And well, a lot reality, of guys don't have that. I didn't mean to cut you off there, but the reality of that is, is if you build your business that way, most of the time, most people don't want to sell it. Because no. now, because you have the systems in place, you've got install managers and service managers, and you've got people who take the workload off of you that you can be gone for a week and the business still run. The, most people didn't want to sell. The, you know, the distress isn't there. The headache isn't there. The problems aren't there. Obviously, you're in growth mode, so you still have a lot of those hiccups along the way. But once you get to that, that point that, hey, now it's ready to be sold, well, I can sit on it now and, and take the revenue off it. If I decide I want to sell it, I'll sell it. And, and that's the beauty of that. Well, when, when, when this whole thing, the coronavirus thing hit, I was in the mindset because I, like I said, didn't have my shit right. So shit hit me and I'm like, oh, fuck, I just want to sell this thing. I'm fucking out. That's literally where my mind went. I was like, I'm just going to sell it. And if it's worth anything, it's worth anything. I just got to get the fuck out. I literally got that way. And, and, and I don't want to admit it. And no one wants to admit that shit. But that's how it got. I just went like, dude, so anybody want to buy it? My business is for sale. Come take this shit because it's getting wild. And I even had a conversation with someone and I, I was, you know, I had talked to him and that we were talking about, you know, acquisition and stuff like that about purchasing my business. And by that point, when I talked to him, I had already got my shit fixed, right? I, I had just came off of uh, April, May, May, we profited like $200,000, like something. I think it was like $280,000 we profited in May. And the month before that, if you would have came and bought me, I was like, yeah, fuck, let's go see you later. But then I'm like, I'm looking at the books now and I'm like, wait, I got people in place. I made this much money let me see what's going to happen now. And now I've, I've flipped the script and I said, Hey, this is my time. Now I I've figured this shit out. And now I have people that are coming to me that are like, Hey, I want to take you to the next level. Right. I have private equity firms that are talking to me and I'm in, in, in position now where my job pretty soon is going to be going out and acquiring businesses. Right. That's going to be what I do. Everything else here, we're going to continue to grow and I'm going to spread this business throughout the country. And it all came from me switching my mindset before to 
business rather than sales, right? You have to switch out of that, out of that headache. And now all I care about is business and where, where we're going into the future. And now over the next 12 months, you're probably going to see my business in multiple different states. And, and people don't want to believe it, but you'll wait until you're, my trucks are coming down your street. Be that, see that big fucking eagle. And you're going to be all like, holy shit, what the hell? Hear my daughter on the radio. <laughs> it's it's, it's got to happen. So right now I'm, I'm so excited in, in what I have going on and what's going on in the future. And, and I think, you know, at some point, you know, I'm, I've, I've already been talking to you about looking for, for business to acquire. Right. Right. And, and I think that me and you are going to have a great relationship going forward, trying to, to make this thing happen. And, and I'm, I'm, ex, I'm excited and I'm, I'm glad we kind of had you come on today, Patrick, because I think that, you know, people are going to listen to this shit and they're going to change their, they're going to flip their switch in their head. I'm hoping it's going to flip a switch in their head and say, Hey, let's all build businesses that are worth selling because right. the more businesses that are built that are worth selling. That means you guys are pricing your stuff, right? means you're running your operations, right? That means it's going to be better for the entire industry, right? Rather than the chuck in the truck that's selling everything half off has no money. You know what I mean? I need, I well, need that's more the, great businesses. That's the other part is nobody wants to buy the low price leader. You know what I mean? I mean, if you, you don't want to go to, you don't want to go buy your competitor down the street. Who's, who's, you know, working at $50 an hour because the minute you come in, and bump that customer up to a price of where they should be, they're going to leave you. So there's no value for you buying it there as well. And so all those things are key. Once again, if you're built to sell, I mean, some people don't, don't want to build that and that's fantastic. And I'd, and I'd love to help them as well. But for those who are serious about building it, the market's incredible. I mean, private equity is really making a push to get into the heating and air space. Uh, a lot of them, I found a spreadsheet you to death and never actually pull the trigger. I mean, that, that seems to be a common thing. I spend a lot of my time on these due diligence calls that have nothing to do with heating and air, and that's frustrating. But the reality is they're making the push to get into space. There's a lot of them that are doing it right. And, and for the person who's looking at build something, building something they can exit, you know, there, there's plenty of companies that have done it. You can look around whatever part of the country you're in. And there's been big players who walked away with huge checks and, and can go build something else somewhere else, which is fantastic. Yeah. And, and I have, I have a competitor in my market. That's massive. I call him the princess up the street and he's the low price. He's the low price leader, man. And, and I go against him. His business is massive. Right. But the same people that are talking to me about acquisition, they had that same conversation with him. They're like, there's fucking nothing there. It's not right. priced right. It's not priced right. The profit's not there. They're like well, coming in and, and, you know, my price has got to be more than everybody. And I have, we have, we talk about that all day long. You know, we talk about, we are not, we're not the low price guy. We are the white glove, right? That's how we're, that's how we're going to act. This is how we're going to do business. So when a customer asks me, can you match this guy's price? I cannot match that price because I'm going to back it up with something, with something with substance, right? I want to be here in five years. I want my business to be still running because what happens if I sell low today, yeah, I made money today, but who's going to cover the liabilities in five years when those things start breaking down and we have issues and all that stuff, you know, that comes up, right? right? So that's, that's one thing a lot of people don't understand. Like, oh, I made, I made 50% gross margin or gross profit today. Well, it sounds great, but that same thing in, in a couple of years, that money's gone. You already spent it before you even got it. Absolutely. Right? No, that's, that's reality. And, and buyers are becoming more educated in seeing that. You know, and that's what they're looking at. They're looking at not only what is the revenue, but what's the liability. And so, you know, that's a key thing to focus on as you're building it. It's not just sales, 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 sales. It's income. It's pricing things properly. It's being able to service the things that you've already installed. 
Yeah, and then set you got to set money aside. You know, we have separate accounts I set aside for warranties now, right? Something I didn't know I had to do before. Now I'm like, okay, this this is what I, I set x x amount of money aside for every system that we sell, and that's what we have to do. So I have a separate account. I don't touch it. So when things come up, you know, shit goes sideways. I have money to cover it. And, and, and they're going to. I mean, that's the reality. You know, you know things are going to break. You know the the new variable speeder is not going to work. You know they're going to have a problem with leaking coils. You know you're going to have issues that you're going to have to work through to cover the reputation of your company. Yeah. And and planning for those things is is the way it's going to happen. And keeps you in business five years from now. Which is well, well, guess what? If, if, if I raise my prices, that means that's less, less units I have to sell, right? I'd rather make, I would rather sell one unit and make the price I make off of two or three units before because then the liability drops drastically. So I sell a thousand units at, you know, discounted rate rather than 400 units at a premium rate Then I make more money. I have less trucks. I have to less gas, less time, less liability, less employees, all this stuff I have to do. If you look at the big picture, yeah, I made money today, but you don't, it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. You can't expand like that. It, you have to have it priced right. And I, and I think that's one of the things I got in my head, like no matter what now we're white glove and we're, we're going to be a premium service and you have to do that. And I think if a lot of more people think that way, they think instead of winning every job, winning the right jobs is more important, right? Absolutely. Well, and I do the same thing with my business. I mean, I, I don't like telling people I'm not going to list your company for you, but I have to, I mean, there's certain things that aren't sellable and uh, I can't spend my, my, my time, trying to sell a company that's not going to sell. And so that's the same thing in every business. And I think, um, I think focusing on that long-term, once again, helps your business, makes it more profitable, and then makes it more sellable, which is the end result. Awesome. Well, I'm, I'm super glad to have you on today, Patrick. Um, I'm going to have you kind of go over how do people reach out to you? How do they get a hold of you? Where, where should they look for you on social media, LinkedIn, stuff like that, um, and your business name and everything like that? Perfect. Thank you so much, Victor. I really appreciate the opportunity to be on here. I know we've been trying to connect for a little bit, so I, I'm thankful that, that we had an opportunity to do it. My my company's name is Business Modification Group, so you could go to businessmodificationgroup.com. My name is Patrick Lang, L-A-N-G-E. If you type either one of those in Google, you'll be able to find me. I'm on LinkedIn a lot. I do a lot of posting on LinkedIn, put a lot of information out there. Um, Facebook, I'm in all the, the heating and air uh, Facebook groups. I typically contribute, try to anyways in there. I like to put different things on recent sales uh, so people can see what companies are selling for, not just what's for sale. So um, reach out to me anyways. If anybody has any questions, call me, email me, text me. Uh, my number is 352-440-4604. That's 352-440-4604. Uh, reach out to me anyway. I'd love an opportunity to help. If I can, if I can help you and we can sell it five years from now, I, I, I'm all for that. So don't hesitate to call me and ask me a question. Thank you for allowing me to come on. I think what you're building is incredible and the giving back that you do through Facebook, through things like this is incredible. And uh, hopefully, you know, people take advantage of it. Hell yeah, man. Well, thank you so much, Patrick. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed episode number two of the podcast. It, it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun for me so far and I'm excited with the feedback that I get. The more positive feedback, the more drive I have to want to do this. You know, I take, I take time out of my busy schedule to make this happen. And I do this for you guys. I want you guys to help. I want us to all come up together and learn how to grow proper businesses together. So we're all of us, when we're ready to sell, we can make the money that we need to take care of our families. So you guys have a great day. I will see you on episode number three. Thank you. Be sure to tune in next week as Victor welcomes Dan Antonelli, President and Creative Director of KickCharge Creative. Thanks for tuning into the Hero Podcast.